Hello and welcome to People at Work. It's Dustin. I'll be your host today. So on today's episode, I'll be chatting with Mo Hamzian, who is the CEO and founder of Vell. Mo, welcome to People at Work. Thanks very much. I'm looking forward to it, Dustin. Yeah, so am I. It's a topic near and dear to my heart of what what a workplace is going to look like in a few years. You know, there's pros and cons of this whole work from home world. Are there better alternatives? So I'm looking forward to diving into all those topics with you. Um, But maybe before we get started, do you want to tell me a little bit about Vell and why you founded it? Like, what was the inspiration there? Yeah, I would love to. It's actually an interesting story. Well, in short, Vell, the way we kind of position it, if we were going to meet you in a very quick elevator ride, we would say, um, and these kind of referencing helps, although our personality is entirely different to this example I'm about to give you. But we say if Starbucks was mom and WeWork was dad, and then they decided to have a kid, what would the kid look like? That's what we wanted to find out. And we are that kid. So what that means, we're trying to be this hyper-localized, take-forward coffee shop supporting a hybrid workforce. And I'm sure we'll talk about that. But really, it came up like most good concepts that come to life. Like a good book, they say to the author, look, make sure it's your own story for it to be sincere. And most kind of entrepreneurial adventures come from a pain point the founders are experiencing. It was no different with me. All my life, I've kind of used coffee shops as this segue place of me trying to do good quality work. And I love coffee shops. They're a perfect place to call home other than home or the office. Mm -hmm. But over time, I realized, particularly towards the last few years, I realized how much I'm spending in there and how little work I get done. Um, And there's no real viable alternative. So one day I was sitting in a coffee shop and that entrepreneurial dog with a bone kicks in and says, I can do something about this. Therefore I must. And the concept was born a year and a half ago, and here we are today. Nice. So I think that's a great explanation, and I I totally get the coffee shop thing. I used to work in coffee shops occasionally. I kind of like the background noise and just, you know, having other people and other things going on. I find that helps me. So what what aspects of that maybe did you borrow and and bring into Vell? Well, I really like the personality of a coffee shop, like you said. One, it's, it's an informal setting. And two, it's a transactional setting whereby, you know, co-working, I love it to bits and I love what we work has done in the marketplace, but it's a membership program and that's okay too. And it fits its purpose, but coffee shops is this public place where people can come in as long as they're a patron. Um, and so that was very important to us that anyone can come into a coffee shop, but it was also important to us to say, look, if you want to do good quality work, that's when you come to us and perhaps there are other coffee shops when you want you know, other things. So flexible privacy was very important to be able to offer 30 minute, 60 minute privacy in a really cool setting that's snackable. So you don't have to reserve something for three, four hours, nor is it a large room. Um, reservation is another point that doesn't exist in coffee shops, whereby I can have some visibility into my calendar and saying next Wednesday at three o'clock, I'm meeting some people. Therefore I, I need some space. Yeah. And the other thing that is missing, particularly as soon as you leave home, Dustin, or work, this idea of psychological safety and kind of privacy doesn't really exist. Mm-hmm. Um, and coffee shops, there's very little privacy. And yeah. there's a lot of research has been done on, on what level of noise is, is conducive to good quality work. And actually absence of noise is terrible for good quality work. Yeah. Um, but then too much noise and the coffee shops kind of vibrate at like 70 decibels, which is pretty much the noise you find on a typical highway. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to also address some of those 
workplace questions you ask if you're designing a high-tech office for Google, but let's try and ask those same questions when you're designing a coffee shop. Nice. No, very cool. And I think you're right about the work from home and the silence. And I kind of have this love-hate relationship with working from home. I don't miss my commute. I love the extra time with my kids, but it's lonely in my little basement office sometimes, right? And you need that. Um, and on, on a similar topic, hybrid work is difficult, right? Like we have a large office that has been mostly empty. We have it open, but people don't go in because they're kind of afraid, you know, I'm going to go in and there's going to be five people. So I think that's one of the benefits of co-working space is you know there's actually going to be other people. You'll kind of get that energy from them. But I'd love to hear your thoughts and maybe some of the other benefits of co-working versus working from home. Yeah, well, actually, we're very exciting time whereby we can ask these really difficult questions and yeah. really say, what is the real impact that's happening and how can we address it? Um, simply because of this global wholesale disruption in the workforce yeah, um, that's sure. happened. It's kind of catalyzed 10 years. So I think co-working means different things to different people and co-working is a perfect fit for lots of companies or smaller teams. But however, we wanted to initially create a product for that freelance market, whereby you don't necessarily want a membership to a co-working environment, and you certainly don't have an office. You work predominantly from home, but you want this kind of hybrid place whereby, and like you say, this 15-minute mile of, of being able to travel there quickly. Mm -hmm. So I guess the major difference between us and co-working, co-working is definitely classified as a workplace, whereby it's a membership place. It replaces, in many respects, the office. But I think what co-working did was magic in the sense that they came around to me, for instance, as an entrepreneur, maybe 15 years ago and said, hey, it's okay that you don't have this long encumbered lease to somewhere fancy and have to pay three, $4,000 a month just for an office space. It's okay. You're not any less because you can now come to my co-working space and have all that reputation and legitimacy and gravitas but for a really flexible solution on a monthly basis. And co-working did that really, really well. Um, and that's why its adoption has been incredible. So I think what we're trying to do is say, let's do that, but in a, in a much more transactional coffee shop setting to say, it's okay to work out of a coffee shop because you actually should sometimes work out of a coffee shop. But instead of going to a analog coffee shop, come to kind of a coffee shop that we've created. Nice. And it seems like, Making it tech enabled has been a major focus, right? And there's a lot of talk on your website of, you know, the nine to five or nine to six is dead. You can be more efficient, get work done. Um, so what were some of the thoughts on that? Like, how does tech help? And also, how does it help shorten the workday or maybe help us be more efficient? Well, I mean, technology is one of those blessings that kind of kickstarted in the industrial revolution. And ever since then, it's been kind of propagating and I mean, in many respects, it's connecting software and hardware in an intelligent way. And we use very good hardware. For instance, our, our pods and, and, and phone booths are made by a company called Framery out of Finland. Um, and these things, once you go in, it's like perfect sound quality, perfect air, perfect light. And these things, are, they cost $20,000. Once you're in one of these things, it is like being in a first-class cabin. It's mm -hmm. truly incredible workspace to work out of. And then marrying that with good software to give you visibility on your space. But I think over time, what we really are trying to get to is a place of maybe customization or personalizing your own space, even possibly introducing robotics over time, whereby one space can become several different spaces, depending on who comes into that space. 
or that micro space. So we have huge aspirations for technology and being a tech leader there. But I think technology is helping everyone work remotely at home, collaborating and being able to create a culture around that. After all, you guys are in the tech world and producing really good software. Yeah, definitely. And I find that really interesting of quickly changing the scene or the location, especially because your approach here isn't, I'm going to rent this space for two months. It's right. I'm going to pop in real quick, maybe spend three hours today and then three hours, two weeks from now. So how are you going to tackle that customization? I mean, that sounds like a great idea. It also sounds super challenging. So it's, it's interesting for sure. It's a, it's for sure a yardstick into the future. Yeah. We definitely want to have, uh, there's a lot of learning to be had from market of what is important. Is customization light? Is it acoustics? Mm -hmm. Is it space itself? For instance, pods can have pre-settings, just like um, your car can have pre-settings on the seat. Yeah. So within, within your app or within, you can customize your space. You can brand the pods internally. You can have the right visuals and holographics inside. If you're having a Zoom meeting, that sort of thing. Um, but even personalization in the sense that the coffee shop will know that you've just walked in, if you give it permission to, will know you've just walked in and therefore it knows what drink you would like because you pre-ordered it. And some of these basic benefits that exist in lots of other industries, but it just hasn't so far because brick and mortar is slightly being analog. And coffee shops, they're wonderful vertical, but they're focused on selling you very, very good coffee, very, very good yeah. pastries and food, and then asking you to please leave because that's how they make money. Yeah. Um, and that's okay too. And most people are happy with it, but the ones that want to open up their $2,000 laptop want something more. Yeah. And I, that is interesting with the potentially changing backgrounds or visuals or branding. And, and as I was thinking about just the general approach you're going with, it seems like creators in particular are likely drawn to that, those smaller, you know, four person video companies or whatever it is, let's say, is that what you're finding? Or is it a mix of larger companies as well, who are, are really interested in this approach? I think larger companies will be, but like yeah. any small company, and we are a startup, we have to have a beachhead. We have to have a foot forward. Yeah. And, and not that the problems, the pain points aren't agnostic across different um, verticals, whether you're a small team or larger company, but our foot forward is, is definitely freelancers. Um, and as it happens, you're absolutely right. 75% of all kind of arts and graphic design and, and that businesses are, are supported by freelancers and they lend themselves well. And I think it was for that reason, we kind of did some soul searching right at the beginning, Dustin, um, and not to bore you with this, but we wanted to really find out what are we selling? Are we selling space, technology, coffee? What are we selling? I think we ultimately settled on the fact that, look, Vel is selling experience. And because we're selling experience, we therefore have to really address this narrative of the workplace. And because it is now shifting and we feel we're in workplace 3.0 now and ushering in a new hybrid environment. And, and it's really wonderful to be part of it. It feels like something that happened in the 1990s with the internet is now happening in the workplace. <laughs> These you know, deep seated questions. Yeah. Everything just got catapulted forward, right? The past two years, probably the equivalent to what the past 30 in the workplace. It's, it's kind of ridiculous. And I think we're all still learning. So I agree being, you know, hopefully towards the front of that and figuring it out is exciting. Um, so on that topic, what else do you think is going to change? Like you mentioned workplace 3.0, what are some of the, the pieces of that, that you think are happening? Well, 
there are going to be lots of ways to look at it. First is the logistic industry is, you know, they, they, everyone is in warehouses mm. fulfilling, you know, all the orders that's going around the world in America. So those people, uh, the, the, the messaging has been different to them, but their, their approach has been the same. But in, it, for us, I think it's really discovering how we think about work itself. What work are we consuming and when? And connecting workplace and productivity and workplace and fulfillment rather than workplace as a vessel for us to do it. It's the same as, for instance, the fitness or gym, uh, just showing up because the, the equipments are there rather than saying, well, what type of fitness suits you and customizing that a little bit. And I think it's going to be a, about flexibility and it's about what is right for me today. And like you said, for instance, at Vell, we're always going to say, look, we, if you want to spend seven hours a day at Vell, we're probably one, too expensive. And, and two, uh, you much better off if you need somewhere for seven, eight hours a day, every day, it's either the home office or you actually do need a subscription to an office or a co-working environment. Mm -hmm. So we feel we're complementing the marketplace and there are lots of probably other products that do complement the marketplace. And it's about choice and picking and choosing what you need for that, for that purpose. And sometimes sitting in the park and working for an hour a week is, is perfectly fine too. And the conversation itself, I think having this general wholesale conversation around the world is so important with, it's something similar to what we did about the environment 20, 30 years ago. It's this general conversation we're having that's going to bring this improvement, which is really exciting. Yeah. And you see the interesting thing to me too, is you see big companies trying out new ideas for the first time in a while, maybe like, I think it was Microsoft tested, you know, the four day work week and there's wholesale countries doing that now and working on flexibility. So I, I do agree. It's going to go that way. The other interesting thing, which likely benefits you and your approach here is there is this conversion to people wanting to work less and live more and find that balance. And, and I think the democratization of the creator economy probably helped with that right now I can pull up Riverside, like I'm on, you know, get a $200 camera. That's really nice. And boom, I can almost compete with, you know, the big boys with the fancy equipment. So I think that'll help as more creators kind of flood that economy and start producing content and finding places where they can go for an hour or two to concentrate. So that'll be interesting to watch as well. Absolutely. I mean, you're dead right. Dustin, that you look at the statistics and Upwork, there's a tremendous amount of work on research and mm -hmm. publishing material there. Most of it is public. Um, the data is astronomical. When we were doing our kind of route to market and, and, and building our business models around it, there are 59 million freelancers in the US. Wow. It's, it's a third of the US workforce. Now there are subsets within that, obviously, but 59 million, they, they did some level of freelancing in the past year. And that's growing. Um, and because we are now looking at work slightly differently. Now it's also legitimate, um, you know, to have contract work or be a freelancer, but it's also, it brings other challenges. We have a lot of freelancers around us and sometimes maybe the mission is missing and that being togetherness is missing. And I think technology will help with that. And companies like Val and other, other products will help with that podcasts will help that, um, so I think the market is definitely growing for us and the freelance kind of economy, but we also think that once we tackle this properly, we can really say 
coffee shops have been around for 30 years or 40 years. In the modern way we're thinking about it, people have been going with laptops mm -hmm. for the last 30 years. People will continue to go to it. Um, so it's about creating a product around the pain point and making, making those pain points almost um, the, the psychographic visuals of what our customer wants and, and bringing that to it. But um, yeah, it's, it, the market is huge and um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. It's got you know, 10 years of work ahead of us. Yeah, and I think with the market being huge, like you said, and this being a, you know, a worldwide phenomenon, basically, obviously you being a fixed location, you had to pick particular places to start, right? So how did, I'm curious how you approach that to figure out where to launch the first one and then the subsequent ones that are coming after. Well, luckily the U.S. is a very transparent marketplace whereby this, the, the data is rife. There've been a lot of kind of very good tech enabled uh, software to support real estate and retail companies locate based on demographic liquidity in the marketplace. So we were no different. We did the same thing of really finding out honestly in most sincere way, who's our customer, mm -hmm. um, who are we looking for? And then going after that, um, market. So we were in, you know, numerous markets in the end up for location. Number one, we settled on, on Savannah. We, we feel SCAD, uh, the college of art there. It will have a huge role to play in what we're trying to do, but we're also trying to create something that is repeatable, that is scalable, that is homogenized enough without losing its kind of personality and experience, but you can mushroom it in lots of different markets. But we also see that Zoom towns and the secondary and tertiary markets are becoming much more popular because people like you and I have realized I, I don't need to live in the hot downtown of a city. Um, and if I do, that's great, but I don't necessarily have to do that because I can work from anywhere doing some of the things I can do. So why don't I make new choices? So, you know, it's interesting to see population shift across different territories. So one thing for sure, we want to be close to the home of our customers. We want to try and avoid this idea of a commute because coffee shops are after, while, after all local, but starting in Savannah and growing from there. Nice. And I, I bet a lot of, like Savannah is obviously not a giant market. It's not like you started in San Fran, right? And I, I think there's a lot of underserved communities like that. I'm up in Canada, so a little different, but people are moving not just to the suburbs, but the deep, deep suburbs hours away from, you know, Vancouver, which is a decent sized city up here. Um, so is that you think going to be part of the strategy is spotting those places where these workers are moving and working remote that probably have you know, not many coffee shops, no co-working spaces and filling that gap. Is that part of the approach? It is. It really is. And actually, because we live on the, we, we live on the East coast of Florida, my co-founder and I, we've driven, we drove, you know, 7,000 miles and wow. we went into 70, 80 coffee shops during the pandemic. Mm. And I kid you know, up and down the coast of, of the U S and you're absolutely right. These secondary markets across the coast require these kind of products. So that's a, definitely a good strategy to adopt is to go to smaller markets. So as long as the population is, is there and we've done some work to know as long as there are 50,000 people within a certain dis radius and the competition profile looks like this, mm -hmm. then we will succeed, etc. We've done that kind of data analytical nose to the ground, but I think you're right. That's a good tactic to have. Yeah. The world's just changing so fast. And I have one more more question on that, actually. So let's say 
magically somehow COVID disappears and we can go back to normal in air quotes, whatever that means. Right. What do you think that is going to look like? Like, do you think companies are going to force people back? People are going to want to go back? Uh, yeah, I'm curious of your thoughts on what might happen when we can go back to normal. Well, I think we redefine normal a little bit and I feel consumer behavior and after all, we are consumers of workplace is once it shifts, it, it's very difficult to swing it back. So now we've built new habits and you know, yeah. human beings dislike changing habits. Now we have formed new wiring and processes. So I think to, to a large degree, a lot of this is here to, to stay. We expect new ways and new things are legitimate. So definitely hybrid, flexible, dedicated spaces are here to stay. And it's about visions of different companies, existing and new companies of saying, how are we going to change existing real estates and existing <laughs> supply chains to meet that, whether it's supported by software or hardware or not. And that's how we came at it. And we, we really wanted to say that let's slipstream in the most stable product that we've known for a very long time, which is the coffee shop. Yep. Um, and, and let's improve it because the library no longer exists. Sadly, I, I used to love it as a boy and the coffee shop just needs to change slightly. Uh, and not everyone sadly works for Twitter or Google or these incredible businesses that focus so much attention on employee culture and experience. Mm -hmm. Um, but people like me and you should be able to go in for an hour and ex experience that just like you go in for an hour and experience the most amazing restaurant with, with, with a Michelin star chef, you should be able to experience the most amazing workplace for an hour or two a week. Yeah. I, I love that mission. I think that makes total sense. If you were to expand into Canada, give me a shout. I'll definitely go check it out. I live, like I mentioned in the, I would say deep suburbs, quite a hike from the city. And, you know, we have our two coffee shops and I don't even think we have a co-working space out here. So yeah, interesting times. Mo, thank you so much for joining me. I really enjoyed that. Um, got a lot out of it and I'm looking forward to seeing where you guys go from here. Thanks very much for the support. It means a lot. I really enjoyed participating, Augustine. Yeah, definitely. And if our, our listeners want to, you know, find out more, connect with you, any of that, where should they go? Our domain is myvel.com. Funny story to that. We did try to purchase vel.com, but mm -hmm. they wanted three quarters of a million dollars, <laughs> which was slightly out of reach for the time being. It just means no one else can buy it. Yeah. Um, so myvel.com and all our socials are there and that's where you can find us. Awesome. Thanks again, Mo. Thanks for listening to People at Work. If you enjoyed the episode today, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, we'd really appreciate it. We'd love to get this material into the ears, hearts, and minds of as many listeners as possible and would really appreciate your help. Until next time.